On this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast, we look at Austria's most expensive signings, the Wackers in the East and West, and transfers from all around the Bundesliga. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. My name is Tom Midler and I'm joined by my excellent co-host in the form of Lee Wingate. Our previous podcast has only been out for a few days as we had to wait, of course, for Austria to see off Sweden by two goals to nil in Vienna before we recorded that one a couple of days ago. So it's still very much up to date. If you haven't heard about a really good set of national team games, you can find that on our feed as well, of course. Do check out that episode as well as this one, which you are listening to right now. Uh, Lee, you must have a new episode of the Sweeper podcast coming out this week too, right? What are you looking at on there this time around? Yeah, very soon. We'll also be looking at this international period just gone. Uh, There were quite a few upsets for the minnows and underdogs of Europe. So we'll be having a little look at my trip to San Marino to see them lose, obviously, to Kazakhstan and a little bit at Moldova, Luxembourg and a few others. Oh, and also the Children's Hospice won the treble in the Vatican. So we'll be putting that under the microscope too. Lee, you've got to say spoiler alert before you start dropping Vatican City football updates when we mention the sweeper. Seriously, come on. (laughs) <laughs> a little foretaste of what's to come you've got to tune into the sweeper to find out about that then and to hear what lee had to say about his travels in san marino but for this episode for the other bundesliga podcast we've got uh, some transfers to talk about a bit of a look at the state of affairs with Wacker innsbruck actually or as the great shakira once said wacker wacker i suppose as i want to mention two wackers on this pod but uh, let's start with a record being broken Two-goal hero for Austria against Sweden. That's Christoph Baumgartner, of course. He became the most expensive transfer in Austrian history after a move from Hoffenheim to RB Leipzig in uh, that other Bundesliga north of the border this week, Lee. What did you make of that? Well, I suppose it wasn't the biggest of surprises. I follow Hoffenheim quite closely for work and it's been a really tough season where they were battling relegation for long spells and actually only managed to stay up definitively on the penultimate match day of the season. And I think from reading articles and reports about the Hoffenheim camp this season, it seems like it's been quite a strain and quite a stress on them mentally. And also, I think he wants a new challenge where he can win some silverware, potentially. Uh, That was on the statement that RB Leipzig released, at least anyway. And they've obviously won the DFB Pokal the last two seasons. It seems like a logical step. The two clubs also have a history of transfer market activity. They uh, Leipzig only bought David Raum, the left back, last summer. Angelino went on loan the other way. So there are some yeah existing connections there. So it seems kind of a logical step, really. What I forget with Christoph Baumgartner is that he's only 23 still. I feel like he's been a kind of upcoming prospect for quite a few years. And in recent years, especially in the national team setup, I feel like he's turned into one of those players that you know you have to watch out for as the opposition. He can be a a match winner and he can be the, the turning point for Austria. And the Sweden game was the perfect example. It was certainly not the first time we've seen him do that. But 23 years of age, 27 million euros, it's pretty big for Austrian football, this kind of move. Yeah, it really is. I think that's a valid point, actually, about his age, because a lot of people forget that. He's one of these leading players. I think he's already a member of Hoffenheim's team council, where he was at least before the transfer, and uh, really likes to step up and take on that responsibility, which I suppose is quite unusual. 
for someone so young to actually seek out that responsibility and that extra pressure. So yeah, I think it's quite easy to forget just how old he is, but that's also great for RB Leipzig because that means they've got many years of him, you know, at the peak of his career. It's it's probably an ideal transfer for them. And I think he was quite high up on the summer wish list as well. So I'm not surprised that this one's gone through, to be honest. Baumgartner is a very versatile kind of attacking midfielder, can play in basically any position in the, the attacking third. And uh, I very much like his record for the Austrian national team, 10 goals in 29 appearances for Austria. And for a team, you know, with the pedigree, the calibre of the Austrian national side over the length of Christoph Baumgartner's career span so far, obviously still in its sort of early stages, as we say, just coming towards maybe his peak years as you'd see it. But to have 10 in 29 already, is very decent. Yeah, that's a fantastic record. It's actually a lot better than his record at club level, which has been the best ever this season. So seven goals and seven assists for Hoffenheim over you know the full length of the season, which is over 30 games. So perhaps the Austrian national team is getting the very best out of him at the moment, which we at the other Bundesliga will be very happy about. He's got a history of goals, though. I looked into his youth career a little bit. He was a youth player, um, starting out with SV Horn, which is his uh, place of birth, moved on to the academy at St. Pölten as well before leaving for Germany. But at youth level in Austria, he once scored 38 goals in 42 games. So he's got he's got goals in him, hasn't he? He has shown that from time to time. But you're right, it's not always something that we've seen or thought of in the Bundesliga. But evidently, there's a bit of uh, goal scoring potential to sort of tap into there. Yeah, although when I think of Christoph Baumgartner, I don't really think of the goals I think more of like the spiel intelligence like he's really good at reading the game and his passing and his flicks and there's a lot more than than goals there I think obviously the goals are the metric by which most attacking players are judged but I think he offers a a, a lot more and I, I think Leipzig will be very happy about that as a Hoffenheim because you know they have a fantastic history when it comes to selling players you look at the likes of Joel Linton to Newcastle you know, these are players that have gone for really big money and they've actually got the best net transfer balance of any German Bundesliga club over the last 10 years by some distance. So they are really doing a great job at developing those players and selling them on. So they're benefiting with a, obviously a very big transfer fee. Leipzig are getting a player and Austria are having one of their best players at an even bigger club competing for silverware. So I think everyone's a winner, really. Yeah, he talks about the sort of flicks. And now I think about that, you know, you play a ball into Christoph Baumgartner in the final third, just outside the box. He's always the player who's got the the vision to like get that pass back for the one-two, isn't he? He really knows how to do that. And yeah, assists are a big part of his game. But you talked about big transfers there. And we posted the other day on our Twitter page about the top 10 Austrian transfers in terms of pure sales value, because... He does go in, as we said at the start, he's a record breaker at 27 million euro. He is the number one most expensive Austrian transfer of all time. It was quite interesting looking at some of the others in that top 10, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he's ahead of second placed Marco Arnautovic and third placed Marco Arnautovic. (laughs) Silver and bronze for Marco Arnautovic. I have a feeling that Marco Arnautovic is the kind of guy who might not be happy about that. And the, the sort of the ego boost of mm. being number one and two in the Austrian transfer market history is something that he probably quite enjoyed. I can imagine him in like a Chinese nightclub telling people about that. Yeah, well, he uh, was the one that turned up to that Austria game, a uh, home game at the Ernst Happel about a year or two years ago in his Rolls Royce while everybody else was 
uh, in the team bus. So I can, yeah, definitely imagine that his ego probably has taken a bit of a dent through that. But he's second and third now, his transfers from West Ham to Shanghai SIPG for 25 million euro and from Stoke City to West Ham for 22.3. There are a couple of other interesting ones in there. There's a few Salzburg names that we'd know as well. You know, the likes of Zavischlag and Nicholas Seibald. I think Seibald is a good one to mention, given that that's just happened this summer. Seibald from Salzburg to Leipzig, 20 million. That goes right into the top five, doesn't it, already? Straight away. That's, that's a pretty big move. It's sort of flown under the radar a little bit for me. Like, Of course, we know Seibald's really good and we knew it was a big move. But to be in the top five Austrian transfers of all time, I know the market's changing. But still, I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, maybe that has something to do with the fact what well, perhaps it could have even been higher had it not been for this ongoing transfer business between the two Red Bull clubs, Salzburg and Leipzig. If that was a, a sort of, I want to say a third party, I don't know if that's the correct terminology to use, but if it was another club coming in for Saival, it could have been even more, you imagine. No, definitely. I think the one that stands out in the list for me, as in being far too much, unfortunately, would be Kevin Wimmer. That was one of those transfers that sort of, hung over his head. And I suppose looking through the top 10 in general, the one almost disappointing thing about it is there were no absolute sort of bangers, if you know what I mean. There's no transfer where you think, oh yeah, they invested big money in an Austrian player and then they became absolute legends. Maybe the closest is sort of Arnie in the Premier League. He's a cult player. People really liked him. Uh, His goal records were were pretty solid at all of his clubs. But um, like Wimmer, who had that good spell with Spurs under Pochettino, I think, a few years ago and then he was sort of surplus to requirements their squad was getting pretty big Spurs were sort of preparing you know as they do they're one of those Premier League teams with a big squad and they sort of named their price they were like yeah we'll get rid of Kevin Vimey sort of on the fringes well we get rid of him for 20 million but actually 20 million was just like way too much and Stoke paid 19 and a half in euros 19 and a half million euros and it's just sort of hung over Kevin Vimey's head and he became like a product of Stoke fans being unhappy with the club overspending and sort of underperforming. So I feel a bit for him, really. And then, of course, Wimmer was in the Bundesliga this year at the back with Rapid. And we thought, oh, yeah, move back to Austria. That'll do him good. But didn't even work out in the Austrian Bundesliga, sadly. And now he's moved away to uh, Bratislava, I believe, this summer on a free. And by contrast, you've got David Alaba, by far the most famous Austrian footballer of this generation, who's played for Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, and he does not feature on the list at all, which perhaps is not so surprising from the first transfer from Austria to Germany, because then he was a relative unknown and you might not expect Bayern Munich to fork out big money for an Austrian player. But obviously then that move from Bayern Munich to Real Madrid and to not be on there at all, that sort of (laughs) speaks volumes, I think. Is Sabitzer on that list at all? Because I think of Sabitzer, you know, obviously it was a big move going to Bayern and then the move from Bayern to Manchester United. Again, two sort of huge clubs involved there. I know that was a loan move, so obviously that's not going to make the list. But Sabitzer reminds me of sort of the way I see Baumgartner now, as in this player in the Austrian national team who's got the quality to make a real difference when he can turn it on, like when those moments happen, he's got that sort of star quality, hasn't he? Yeah, they are kind of similar in that respect. So yeah, Sabitzer was 15 million from Leipzig to Bayern. And that's sort of the ladder in Germany. You have the clubs of Hoffenheim's level, then you have either Leipzig or Dortmund. And then above that, Bayern take those players. So who knows, maybe we'll see Christoph Baumgartner in a Bayern Munich shirt in two years. It wouldn't wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world. 
who's going to join that list. Would we have said Seibald would join that list this season? Maybe you would, I suppose. But um, some awesome transfers in there. If we need to go back and uh, massage the ego of Marco Anatovic, I will do so, Lee, because on the day of recording, his goal in uh, inverted commas, his goal against Italy in the Euros was two years ago today. So if you're listening to this, two years ago this week, Arnautovic put that header in at the back post to spark 30 seconds of absolute jubilation all across the nation of Austria. Moments that, that we enjoyed and uh, they, they turned disappointing very shortly afterwards. But still, we had those moments. Yeah, another highlight from our time in the long haul. That's where I watched that game. I don't know, were you there that evening for that, that game? I was at the Euros. I was at the Austria team camp. So I watched that with some of the staff at the Austria team camp and we went ah. mental. And mm. then, of course, like everyone else, the reality of the offside flag dawned. Yeah, it was a tough moment. But I think that was sort of a moment that made me realise amid the dark times of the Franco Foda era that this team could compete, that there were the players in there to reach the level that could compete, you know, against some of the real big nations out there. And uh, I think we've seen some of that potential being fulfilled a little bit more under Ralph Ranić. So that was a sort of turning point for, for me in terms of how I viewed the Austrian national team. Yeah, very hopeful times indeed for the national team. And after that uh, record-breaking transfer talk, a bit of national team positivity, we'll take a very quick break and we'll move on to part two of this episode of the podcast. So from high-flying record-breakers to the Austrian lower leagues today, there were a few things that happened in the past few days that merited some discussion. I suppose the first one for me would be Wacker Innsbruck. That actually happened a few days before, but now their league season is over. It did go on a bit longer than most down in the fourth tier, but uh, it ended recently in a very difficult manner because they were kind of relegated, which is a strange thing to say because they finished seventh in their division. But despite that, they dropped down into the fifth tier, which is simply no place for a club of the calibre of Wacker Innsbruck. As a man who's been more following the Moldovas and Luxembourgs of this world recently, can you explain to me why a team that finished seventh has gone down? Yes, I can. It's quite complicated, but it is to do with a league reshuffle. That's why I said kind of relegated, because they didn't exactly finish in a relegation place. But there's a new third tier being added, being amalgamated, if you will, in Austria, and especially in the west of Austria, where they are based, Wacker Innsbruck in Tyrol, over in the west side of the country. There were three leagues making up the third tier. They're being comprised back to one to balance out with the central division and the eastern division. So there will be a more sort of stable third tier now across the country. So to amalgamate those leagues, obviously that meant there was a concertina effect upwards and downwards for teams in the fourth and fifth tiers. And so a lot of teams, as Wacker Innsbruck were in the, in the fourth tier, they knew that if they wanted to get promotion or, or essentially be reshuffled into the third tier, they'd need to like win their division. If they wanted to stay, as it were, in the fourth tier, they'd have to stay in the top four or five places and anything below that. And you're going to end up down in the fifth tier. So it's kind of a nominal relegation, uh, a reshuffle, really. But they went away to St. Johan on the last day of the season. They needed a win to stay in with a chance of being able to at least remain in the fourth tier. However, after clawing back to 3-3 on the road, they lost 4-3, finished seventh. And now uh, the 10-time Bundesliga champions of the past are down into the fifth tier. It's uh, 
it's, it's pretty grim stuff for such a club. Yeah, it's been a sad story because when we first started this podcast in 2018, they were sort of one of the, the big names of the Bundesliga with a big fan base. They would actually take fans to away games. And to see their decline has been quite painful, even for a neutral, I think, over the past years. You would like to see them back, obviously, but it's going to be a long journey. Perhaps the journeys of clubs like Graz Akar will serve as a good omen for them or some positive motivation at least but to, to drop down to the fifth tier when I still associate them as like one of the biggest names in Austrian football. It's It's been a sad story. They're playing against Union Innsbruck, if I'm correct, next season. And Union Innsbruck is going to be, you know, in comparison to the, the sort of might of Vaca Innsbruck, it's worse than like FC United of Manchester getting a league game against Manchester United. That, that's sort of the only thing that, that comes into my mind that I can compare mm-hmm. that with. It's, it's pretty rough. But talking about them taking brilliant away fans when they were in their Bundesliga days, they still do it now. So actually, I guess the small teams around them in that part of Tyrol are going to be delighted that they're still there because they're bringing like thousands of fans to the games, um, presumably drinking the beers dry in whichever village they're going to. So if you want a weird away day in Austrian football, definitely look out for a Vaca Innsbruck game in the next couple of years. And we do hope they come back up. But, you know, as I say, 10-time Bundesliga champions, seven-time cup winners, twice Mitropa Cup, so European Cup winners in a sense as well. They won three Bundesliga titles in a row as recently as the turn of the millennium. And then since then, it's been that all-too-familiar tale in Austrian football of uh, championship and then quickly followed by Pleiter or bankruptcy. Yeah, what about the other Vaca who are kind of on a similar downward trajectory right now. <laughs> well, hopefully hopefully it's not such a downward trajectory. The one thing these two Vaca clubs have in common is that Vaca Innsbruck, who we just mentioned, have a kind of eyebrow-raising strategic partnership, which was announced a couple of months ago, with LAFC of all teams. We still don't know anything about how that's going to materialise. But uh, perhaps even more eyebrow-raising this week was Admira Vaca Merdling from the Sudstadt just below Vienna, they now have a strategic partnership with Celtic. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Especially when you look at the success of Salzburg having a so-called feeder club in the second division with Liefering and how that partnership has worked. And obviously this is different because it's between two clubs in different countries. But why I understand this to be as a partnership that works in two ways. So you have essentially Celtic sending players to Admira Vaca, their young talents who will be able to enhance their team and perhaps help them get back towards the Bundesliga. And Celtic will also be tapping into this market, this transfer market of many young players who we've seen in recent years who have developed or come through the Austrian second tier. And they'll perhaps be able to tap into that market and bring players to Scotland as well that are of interest to them. So it's a mutually beneficial one. It's obviously big news for Admira Vaca, especially in the same summer that they've appointed Peter Stöger as their sporting director. So perhaps, yeah, perhaps they are moving in, in a good direction now. It certainly sounds promising. It does. It's definitely really interesting. Um, in the Battle of the Vacas, Admira Vaca just lose out to Vaca Innsbruck in that Admira have nine Bundesliga titles and six cups to the 10 Bundesligas and seven cups of uh, Innsbruck. But that shows that they're great 
teams with a, a wonderful history, at least, even if things are not going so well here in 2023. But I'm interested to see how this is going to work out. I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to come over from Scotland, who's going to come over maybe from LA, which kind of players that they'll be able to tap into with this scouting network. Of course, Admira have a, have a, have a much greater reach and a much greater eye on what's going on with young players in Central Europe. We know Admira specialise in bringing through great young players they've always done that and even if these days they're not doing so well they still have a very good system and a very good reputation for bringing through young players and I know Celtic I've looked at it from their side a little bit and I think the Lowland League a place where they would send players out in Scotland in the past is sort of changing and the Lowland League is not going to be so useful for that so it was one of the first things they've done you know since Brendan Rodgers has come in they've identified this this collaboration and they've they've made it work and one thing I will point out is that I've seen a lot of reports in the UK, especially in Scotland, of course, uh, regarding Celtic, referring to Admira as a club in the Erste Liga, which, which annoys me because it hasn't been called the Erste Liga for quite a while. I'm sure we'll forgive them for that. It's uh, perhaps one of those <laughs> things. It's, it's not so. I mean, I was listening to a Celtic YouTube channel earlier who was calling them Admiria Wacker. So I was just thinking, you know, <laughs> I don't expect don't expect necessarily too much from UK based football fans when it comes to sort of their, their Austrian football knowledge. But just to throw a name out there that some Celtic fans uh, might know, of course, Sasha Kaladzic, who gave his very first ever English interview to you, Tom, I believe in his media career, is uh, is a player that came through the uh, Admira Vaca Academy and is, is now at Wolves, albeit with, you know, a long term injury, but hopefully he'll get to show what he's done soon. So this is potentially a very valuable partnership for Celtic, I think. Yeah, Kalajic is actually the man who scored in that game that we mentioned in the first part, the the game with the uh, the Austria-Italy game with Arnautovic's famously ruled out goal. Kalajic did actually score a lovely goal <laughs> at the front post for Austria in that game. And uh, Marcel Sabitzer, who you mentioned in that same section, Sabitzer is uh, another of the more recent prospects who came through the Admira Vaca Academy, basically, and uh, went on to big things. So... Yeah, interesting times for both VACA clubs. Whilst we're down in the lower leagues, I wanted to mention something which caught my eye, Lee, about USK Anif. Can you imagine why I might be bringing up Anif from one of these confusing third divisions? Is this to do with a collaboration that they've entered into with another club? Uh, it's not, actually. It's to do with a change of logo. I'm a bit of a, a keen one for like kits, for, for logos. The sort of graphic design of football interests me greatly. And they appear to have changed their logo, which basically before just had written out in, in red, black and white, the, the team's colours, USK Anif. Uh, now they've changed it to what I would call generic volley man. Now, <laughs> as a football person, you might sort of know what I mean when I say generic volley man. It's like that generic image, I don't know, like a betting company might use when they're trying to promote football, but they have no right to use a real image of football. So you just sort of use a silhouette of a person doing a football-y thing. So now they have a, a rather nice uh, red and white shield, which for me is ruined by the presence of generic volley man across the middle. And uh, there are some pretty bad badges in Austria, but I have to say, for me, that one's that one shoots right up there towards the top. You know what, Tom? That's so niche that I don't necessarily feel so bad for not knowing what you were referring to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that, that's definitely understandable that you didn't know it. But honestly, you've got to look this up. You've got to look up the USK Anif generic volley man. It's it also. Do you know what makes it even worse for me? Is that like this should be on football cliches or something? This is like a new category of things that that would only really exist within Austrian football, probably. But it's so bad because it's such a specific volley. 
like nobody plays that volley. It looks more on first glance. It looks like a goalkeeper diving across to make a massive save. But then you see, oh no, actually, you know, the balls at the the balls on the foot, like it's like glued to the toes. He's just making the kind of volley which I swear down. If you watch USK Anif play, nobody's made that volley in an Anif shirt for the last forty years. <laughs> I reckon at least. It's ridiculously. It's ridiculous. I trust you on that. I'll Google it after. <laughs> But listeners maybe shouldn't search for generic volley man because I doubt they'll get the results they want from Google. Maybe <laughs> just Neuer's logo, USK Anif. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. If you go on their Facebook page, it's there. So I had to double take it. But anyway, Lask changed their logo recently and people didn't really like that either, did they? Theirs was much more understated. They just uh, changed the the font almost, changed the the typeface on the stripes that they use and and on the L-A-S-K above them and removed one little red letter, changed it to a black letter. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> no thoughts on that, but plenty of thoughts on transfers this summer. Fewer thoughts on Lask's logo. All right. Well, we'll move on from uh, from the logo changing uh, nicheness that I was interested in to some transfers. And I warn you, Lee, I've got some pretty niche transfers for you as well. So if you want, <laughs> if you want to go ahead with some some of the big guns, do do take us into the transfer section of this pod before we finish off. It's not necessarily a big gun, but I am. Just so curious to see the return of Turgai Gamichi Bazi to Austria Klagenfurt because Austria's number one walking red card has finished his loan spell at Kashim Pasha in Turkey and is now back in the Bundesliga. So this was Austria Klagenfurt's first season in the Bundesliga. I think they had, what did they have, like 12 red cards or something. They shipped off Gamichi Bazi to turkey and they had about one or two last season so it was a huge difference and now he's back so it's going to be interesting to see that one had absolutely slipped under my radar presumably in the way that tuga gamichi basi hopes that he's going to slip under the radar of referees this season when he's like kicking people in the ankles and and getting sent off my first one was altac who don't get a lot of love all the time in the transfer market on this podcast, but Altac have brought back Christian Gebauer. That's a man who played over 100 games at SCA Altac and then left for Arminia Bielefeld, uh, went out on loan to Ingolstadt as well. But more famous than him playing 100 plus games for Altac is the fact that we dubbed him best hair in the Bundesliga. This is a Simon Clark thing who's not here to record with us today. But Simon used to mention unfailingly that the kind of gelled red hair of Christian Gebauer was was the best hair in the Bundesliga. He might be a quick winger. He might bang in a few goals, but no, it's the hair, Lee. That's what we're going to remember. He's back. Yeah, Simon did mention that many, many times, and he was quite taken with the hair. Obviously, he will have moved to Germany hoping to step up a level, but having been at Armenia Bielefeld, they've been relegated in both of the last two seasons, and perhaps the third division of German football is no longer you know, what he thought he was moving there for. So uh, from an Altac perspective, it would be good to see him back. He was a very good player here and Altac have struggled with relegation in the two seasons he's been away. So, you know, that's a good one, I think. He has played in both Bundesligas now. Um, But the next one from me, if you don't mind me doing two in a row, is uh, Sankt Pölten, who's been rather busy already. Tino Vavra, is the sporting director. Vavra is the man who was the sporting director at Blauweiss Linz, for those who don't know. Um, got them promoted, moved to St. Pölten, is now very busy there. And I say this, if you're wanting a team to watch next year in Liga Svar, if St. Pölten do indeed go up and win the second division, Tino Vavra's reputation is going to be massive. If he makes that work two years in a row at two different clubs, he's going to be like 
the new Christoph Freund, top tier sporting director being headhunted by Austrian clubs or maybe indeed clubs elsewhere. But he's brought in Mark Stendera, the uh, former Eintracht Frankfurt player who actually won the DFB Pokal with Eintracht Frankfurt a few years ago. He's now joined up with St. Poulton in uh, Liga 2. So, yeah, interesting stuff there, I think. Yeah, given how much the two Vienna clubs have been struggling in recent years, you can imagine that if he gets St. Poulton promoted and achieves back-to-back promotions with different clubs, that he might be picked out by one of the capital clubs as their new sporting director, maybe. Could definitely imagine that. He's also pulled off a, uh, a free transfer of Dario Tadic from Hartberg, 33 years mm. of age. Tadic, a monstrous forward at Hartberg, 129 goals and 44 assists in 263 games at Hartberg. That is a man who will never buy a drink in the town of Hartberg on game day again. But then again, I guess neither will we because in Hartberg it's so small, everything's closed on game day. So, yeah, I don't <laughs> Very know. Very true. <laughs> uh, talking of Hartberg, if I may jump to another Hartberg signing, Ruben Providence signing permanently from Roma, having been on loan, 300,000 euro. For me, that is absolutely startling because Hartberg just have no money. And every single year I look at the transfer marked sort of list of transfer business for the for the summer or for the winter. Hartberg is always zero. They always sell everyone for zero and sign everyone for zero. And to see them 300,000 euro on one player, that is, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked by that. That's the, the Austrian football transfer shock of the summer for me. <laughs> I didn't know the value, actually. I, I sort of speculated on the value on a previous podcast because I was also shocked that Hartberg would buy anybody. So to know it was 300k, that's quite interesting. And isn't it amazing that we can talk about the Bundesliga and say that we're shocked that a Bundesliga side could spend 300k and be, be sort of shocked at how much that is? That is quite mental, isn't it? But that's the sort of dichotomy of the Bundesliga when you get down to the smaller teams at the bottom. But I mean, Tadic will definitely be missed there in Hartberg, though. But hopefully... Providence. I mean, he's got some big boots to fill. While we're talking, by the way, about the money spent by Austrian clubs, it's worth re-emphasizing this gulf between Red Bull Salzburg and the rest of the league, because I think their net revenue from this transfer window is 48 million euro. And the only other club in the Bundesliga that I could find, according to Transfer Markt, with a positive net revenue is Altax 40,000. <laughs> wow. That's, wow. Yeah. And now they've blown it all on Christian Gebauer's hair gel supplies. <laughs> it's crazy though, isn't it? What what is that's like I don't know, I'm too tired to do maths. I've been at a Serbian wedding and I'm still a bit hungover. But I think that must be like a hundred a hundred times more as a as a net transfer net revenue. That's that's incredible. I mean, we're used to it from Salzburg, aren't we? Them selling players for twenty, twenty five plus a million plus, but still, yeah, quite a, a shocking difference. Before we wrap up the last couple of transfers and indeed wrap up this whole episode of the other Bundesliga podcast, is it truly that there was a football personality of interest to Austria at this Serbian wedding that you just uh, mentioned? Because if that really is true, that's that's quite spectacular. Yes. So it was the newly appointed general director of Borat Spanja Luka in Bosnia who are Austria-Vienna's 
opponents in the first qualifying round for the Europa Conference League. So they will be coming to Vienna, I think it's the 27th of July, the first leg. So I'll be meeting the general director in Vienna for a coffee and not divulging any information that could help in his quest to defeat Austria Vienna, because of course, the coefficient will always remain my first priority. But yeah, it was it was a very random encounter at the wedding. And his, his son also plays for the Osijek under 19s in Croatia, despite being only 15. So sounds like quite the footballing family. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I don't know if you've got any more transfers to talk of. I had one more, which is, I'm not sure if it counts as niche or not, because it's sort of both. But if you've got one, go first. I feel like we might both have the same last one, but then maybe not. It was John Melberg, who has been signed by Red Bull Salzburg. No, I like that one. You Tell me about John Melberg first. Well, he is the son of Olaf Melberg and he's signed from Bromma in Sweden. Now, the fact that he's the son of Olaf Melberg, who we watched growing up, uh, makes me feel extraordinarily old. But I just thought it was quite interesting for several reasons, mostly because I feel like Red Bull Salzburg, after, you know, sort of Erling Haaland and you know, Moritz Kiergaard, they're sort of looking towards Scandinavia and the Nordic countries a little bit more because previously it was, you know, there's a lot of players coming from Africa. I mean, they've got their tentacles pretty much everywhere, but it does seem that this is becoming a, a little bit more of a focal point, the Nordic nations now. Yeah, they seem to have identified that as a sort of good ground for players that have received a good basic education and can be picked up cheap, I suppose. So that does make sense. And it does make me feel old as well. Melberg doing that whole son of thing that like formula one does to me all the time where it makes me feel really old because everybody's the the son of somebody that i used to like buy the t-shirt to support when i was a kid very weird um my one though it does take us back through the years a bit but not so many years and i don't know if i just read this when i was drunk or something and read it wrong because i haven't looked at looked at it back since but i'm surprised that it hasn't been reported that much so maybe i'm just spreading complete false information but it seemed like philip horsiner as in ex-Bundesliga winner and Golden Boot winner, if I'm correct as well, with Austria-Vienna, has re-signed for Austria-Vienna, but for Austria-Vienna reserve team, for their second team. So he's there to be that kind of the older, more experienced player in the in the reserve setup, obviously to help the younger players. But that is quite something to have Horsiner back in a violet shirt. And I wonder, you know, how much does it take? How many injuries does it take if Harris Tabakovic is sold perhaps and then somebody gets injured up front and then you've got Philipp Holzinger coming on for Austria in the Bundesliga that would be massive I have to say by prefacing that with I might have read this when I was drunk you have thankfully displaced me as the most alcoholic sounding of the two co-hosts on this episode (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that is a very unusual move isn't it because obviously he was such a big part of the first team 10 years ago. I literally cannot think of another example of a player who has then gone on to sign for the club's reserves. Not one. There must be one out there. We implore you, dear listeners, to think about that in the break between this podcast and our next one. We will be back next week with more uh, transfer news. I'm sure some more wacky stories will just happen. Uh, wacky was just an accidental pun there, like thinking about the crazy things that happened to, to Vaca Innsbruck and to Admira Vaca in the last couple of weeks as well. But once we thought the end of the season was here and Austrian football news was dead, it's just never the case. There's always something. Something will happen and that will give us enough reason to be back recording maybe from the long haul next week. Thanks a lot for joining us this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.
If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the gentlemen creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork. 